Welcome back to another episode of The Broncast, a podcast all about the Ford Bronco. I'm your host, John Melton. I'm Donnie Whiteman. We are two Bronco enthusiasts who love talking about the Ford Bronco. We own Broncos. We work on Broncos from generation one through generation six. Our sponsor for this episode is Tom's Off-Road and ARP Fasteners, automotive racing products. In this episode, we're talking about the Tennessee Bronco Club and the drives that were taken through the beautiful country of Tennessee. It's not really its own country, but we're in the (laughs) USA. We're talking about early Bronco steering tips and the GOAT, Ford's early name for the Bronco. Here we are, another uh, another broadcast episode, episode number three. What'd you do this week? You uh, you do anything recently? Well, I, d- I did. I got to go somewhere this week because you picked me up and you took me. and We got to do an awesome club drive in your Bronco, which runs unlike, you know, unlike my it. old one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fun. We did uh, the, here in Nashville, there isn't much wheeling around, but... There's a couple of unpaved gravel country roads that have become popular called the Dirt Devil Trail. And uh, we, how many Broncos would you say came? 15? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And amazingly, uh, five or six Gen 6s, which was really cool to see Gen 6 hanging out and doing the trails with Gen 1s. That meant a lot to me. Yeah. I was nervous the whole time because I don't care about getting scratches on my Bronco or a rock flying up and, you know, ding in the paint or anything like that. But I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, all these new Bronco owners who are, like, following behind me, you know, like in a rock's going to fly up and chip their paint or ding their windshield. and Get I'm a like, pinstripe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, everyone seemed super cool. A couple of people came from Knoxville. Um, we have a, we have a, in, in Nashville, we have a Tennessee Bronco club. It's basically a Facebook group that we're all a part of. And so that's kind of, if you're in the Tennessee area, definitely join that. Um, cause we, we do meetups every couple, couple months. Um, and, uh, so yeah, recently we, we did the drive down the trail. It was pretty, it was fun. And you got to work on your Bronco too. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, I, <laughs> on the trail realized yeah. uh, I just, it kept shutting off. I kept losing fuel. And uh, I was like, oh, I need to fit. I told Donnie, he hopped in with me and, you know, it shuts off. And I'm like, oh, I need to figure out a couple couple more things. And um, But yeah, it turned off while we were on the trail. Like we had just driven through a creek and uh, what you're allowed to do because creeks are, um, uh, you know, as the uh, where the trail goes, you can drive through creeks legally. Yeah, it was a um, crossing. Yeah, and uh, so I just crossed through a creek, and then it turned off, and I was like, "Oh man!" And it wouldn't turn back on, so we were just kind of doing a quick troubleshoot right there on the trail, and realized that one of my relays had gone bad for my fuel pump, and so easy fix. I ordered a new relay, so I'll put that in. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's always always something, and I'm usually the one. Like I'm usually the guy on the trail that has something go wrong. And, uh, actually Matt, the guy who runs the Tennessee Bronco club, he didn't have a drive front drive shaft. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Bluetooth drive yeah. shaft. I think is <laughs> what he Bluetooth, said. Bluetooth drive yeah. shaft. Yeah. So 
That was that was a good time. Good time for sure. Well, let's kick it off, man. A little DIY or PAY. Yeah, we were going to um, pick up on the inspection things that we've been talking about. Yeah. Maybe this time do steering inspections. Oh, and, yeah. uh, we've been doing a lot of steering work here. And um, so we can talk about, you know, not just um, things to look for, but upgrades you can do also. Yeah, yeah. Steering is one of those things. If you're a Bronco owner, you have cursed your truck (laughs) for steering poorly at some point. And, uh, and it's one of those things too, that, I mean, I got my steering pretty dialed in a while ago and then I did more upgrades and now it's terrible. (laughs) So it's like, you know, it's one of those things that you have to learn. You have to, you have to become the expert at with steering. So even though I would pay people to do some stuff, I think, if as a Bronco owner, you have to DIY it or you're going to hate life for a long time. Yeah. So. Usually most guys, you know, if they've got a, a Bronco, the steering's worn out, they can turn the steering wheel from 10 o'clock to two o'clock yeah. and maybe nothing happens <laughs> or the front levitates left to right yeah. over the wheels <laughs> instead of the wheels turning. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Which is w- worn out parts. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. That is mine right now because of worn out bushings, but I'll get to that in a second. So starting from the outside and working your way in, uh, when we're talking about steering, the first thing that I tell people that they need to look at is their tire pressure because, you know, uh, the rating, the PSI rating on your tire is an average rating for, you know, for a truck. So when you're putting 35 inch tires uh, or 33 inch tires, bigger tires on your Bronco, your Bronco is pretty light. And the the weight of that Bronco isn't uh, accurate to the PSI rating on the tire. So um, one of the things that you want to look at is what pressure is my tire going to create the best um, traction patch tire patch on the road uh and for my bronco it's about 25 psi which is way under the recommended 33 psi um and so but it's one of those things where you just kind of have to test what your tire pressure is if you, if your tire is too full then the the tire patch rounds out and you just drive on the middle of the inside of the tire middle uh part of the tire if your tire is too low then you're literally you know just kind of floating around on the sidewall um, and getting way too much flex out of the tire. So it's it's finding that middle ground um, with the tire. Now, the next one moving in is you want to check ball joints. Um, one of the things that we do is, you know, you have a buddy get under the Bronco or look at, look at all the steering components up front and then someone else get in the truck and actually crank the steering wheel back and forth for, and I do it with the engine running and with it off, do both. Um, but with the engine running your if you have a power steering setup, the power steering pump going, um, then you can really see what all everything is doing. I literally did this, uh, yesterday, two days ago after our drive. Um, I, uh, set up my camera and with my engine running filmed, my steering components as I was cranking the steering wheel back and forth. Um, and the first thing you want to look, look at is your ball joints. So those are the ones that go in the knuckle. Um, and, uh, and you want to see if they're moving 
you know, those ball joints should be tight enough that when you turn, the ball joint doesn't move, but it moves the knuckle. Um, and then going in from there, you want to be looking at your bushing. So you got a bushing uh, at your track bar at the top and the bottom of your track bar, one that attaches to the frame and to the axle. You've got a bushing, um, uh, your C bushings that go on your radius arm caps and your radius arms that attach to the axle. And you got um, a couple more bushings in there as well. And so you want to be looking at those bushings and seeing if there's any movement. And where I had movement, I told you I was just doing this, um, was on my track bar. Uh, the bushings yeah. that keep it on the frame, like, I mean, it's such a small amount of movement, but you can feel it so much in the truck. And you like, even, you know, when I just kind of rock my steering wheel back and forth, my body will yeah. move over my tires. Like it's like, well, it's not even, if you think about it, you know, uh, the, the straight axle with the coil springs, um, you know, what's really holding the axle underneath the truck is that track bar keeps yeah. it from going left and right, you know. So um, that's usually when those wear out, you get that levitation that we yeah. talked about left <laughs> or right. And it's pretty dramatic for how, how like, I mean, I put new bushings on there a few years ago. But here's the thing. I've had a ton of oil leaks. I've had, you know, stuff that I've, I work on that truck all the time. And so I'm always messing stuff up under it. Um, and so that, that bushing in particular has been soaked in oil. You know, when I, I swapped my power steering box and didn't realize that I shouldn't unplug the lines first, uh, in the install process. Cause then as I was working on everything else, like power steering fluids leaking all over the frame. So that bushing in particular has gotten beat up with oil and probably worn down more than it should. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, all of those bushings, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're designed to be wearable parts, you know, yeah. they've got boots over them, yep. grease in them, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So then moving on your tie rod and drag link, we were talking about the, the, um, uh, track bar. You want your drag link and your track bar to be, uh, kind of parallel with each other. That's another thing because you know, what, what's happening when you're, um, flexing, when your suspension is flexing and going over stuff is that drag link and that track bar are trying to hold the axle in place and keep the steering at the right angle. So the, the closer, more parallel those two can be not parallel to the ground, but parallel to each other. They're at an angle, uh, keeping those parallel will keep that your axle moving together and uh, kind of eliminate some bump steer and some issues like that. Uh, and then the last thing to check is a steering box, which I was just talking about. I replaced mine. Um, and the, that steering box, mine was super worn out. I had three inches of play on my steering wheel before the, you know, steering box would even engage. And so, um, that's, that's a thing to check. I would not recommend tightening your steering box as a first check. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. We, we just got one in a couple of weeks ago and, uh, first thing we do is check the steering. Yeah. If someone looks underneath the front and the steering box was rolling over from one side to the next and you know, oh. there's three bolts there and, uh, the bolts were the wrong diameter shaft. <sighs> so, and then they were loose, they weren't even tight. So <laughs> it's just a matter of time, you know? Um, so 
it, the box needed to replace also. It was all worn out. As a result of that, it was getting abused. Um, so luckily, though, the, the frame and the holes were okay. We were able to stick through the bolts that just slide through those sleeves and, um, yeah, and put a new box, new pitman arm. Yeah. Sometimes uh, I've heard people who, when they take their box off, their frame is actually cracked right there. And so um, I know that there's companies that will make a little frame reinforcement plate that you can mm -hmm. put behind the box to just help kind of keep the the structure of the frame intact and and uh, help help keep your frame from letting your steering box move around. Well, and it, and if you want to consider an upgrade and you want to go to a Heim joint uh, system instead of like ball joints, you know, there's a Heim joint kind of looks like your your wrist when you uh, make a fist and it's a ball joint. It's all steel. Uh, you know, there's there's no play in it. So when you set your geometry in your truck and you just thread those, you know, left or right, depending on which way, which ends it's on, and you lock those in, you, you, you're setting the geometry for the front end, and um, everything gets really tight at that point, and uh, things don't move. Yeah. Another thing you can do is a, a heim joint system where, you know, all of that linkage, you're replacing the ball joints with a heim joint. And a heim joint is something that's a solid steel joint at the end and replaces a ball joint with a rubber boot and grease and something that's designed to wear out. This is solid steel and solid steel ball in the middle with a hole through the center for the bolt. Um, and the instructions on those kits, when you get them, it says to check all of your mounts. And you really need to grind them all off, get the dirt off, clean them off, hit them with a wire brush, and inspect those and make sure that there's no cracks. So, mm. you know, when you are going through your suspension, it's super important. The vehicle's almost 40 years or 50 years old. You want to check all of those. Don't just throw suspension on it because, you know, once you switch to something like a Heim joint, that steel's really thick. So, you know, you want to make sure you're, you're not going to peel off a bracket. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have uh, a Heim joint system on my 75, and I love it. Um, super strong, great quality. Uh, really, really, really enjoy it. But yeah, we went knuckle over. So that's a whole other thing. Knuckle under, knuckle over, um, where you move the geometry of the suspension up as you do a lift and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot, there's a lot with that. that explain why you would want to do it one way versus the other. Um, knuckle under is how, um, the Broncos came, which knuckle under just means that your tie rod goes from knuckle to knuckle at the front of your Bronco, and it sits under um, just where where on the spindle on the spindle, yeah, where it, where it goes there on the knuckle, and um, when you move it uh, over, it's it takes a little bit more effort because your knuckle is actually tapered, and so that uh, ball joint that sits in there gets fatter at the bottom. Um, so you can't just flip it upside down and, and like pound it in place. You actually have to drill out uh, your knuckles, make sure they fit and put a sleeve then re-sleeve the knuckle uh, so it fits right. But yeah, what that does is it gives you more a better approach angle if you're ever going off-roading, which your approach angle is just um, when you're coming up to an obstacle, at what point do your tires touch before, um, at, at what point do your tires touch versus, you know, your bumper. So that's basically your approach angle. Um, really, really dumbed down without being able to show anything. Um, 
But yeah, that uh, moving that tie rod up um, gives you a better approach angle when you're off-roading. Um, and it changes the geometry when you have a lift to actually, you know, if you think about, oh, I got a three-inch lift. Well, now if I put my tie rod knuckle over, then I kind of get that geometry back by um, putting the uh, tie rod three inches higher. So it, 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 there's a lot that goes into it, but that's kind of um, the reason that you do it. And it definitely will help um, with steering issues when you're lifting your truck and putting big tires on it. So how do you feel about uh, damper, no damper? You know, I, I, I don't run a damper because I feel like it hides any issues that you have. So yes, like it can totally you know, give you a, a smoother ride. But I feel like if you have issues in your steering, then that damper is going to hide it and it's going to make it harder for you to troubleshoot it. So if, mm -hmm. if you're trying to troubleshoot your steering, the first thing you should do is remove that damper, um, which is just a shock up front that connects the, the frame to yours, the drag link. Um, and, uh, and just kind of adds some additional damper shock to your steering system so that if you're having an issue, then it doesn't show up as much. Well, on old Broncos, if if all your steering's worn out, your damper's worn yeah. out too. <laughs> totally. And it's leaking all over the place. The it's, guy, blo it's blown out. The guy that I bought my Bronco from, like the steering was just trashed. And uh, I'm driving around. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you just need a new spring or you need a new shock up front, like, and it'll drive great. Yeah, he totally, <laughs> yeah. totally was lying to me. But now I know the truth that that is not the case. But yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I'm going to pull a, um, an audible here because we've been talking about steering. Let's talk about our parts corner because my first part today, um, based on uh, what we've been talking about, is actually the Tom's Bronco parts, Tom's Off-Road uh, power steering kit. And uh, I was telling you, I installed a new steering box on my 75. Man, this the the steering box, I, I did a couple of videos about it on YouTube as well, but the the steering box that Tom's has, it's it's their own um, you know, design kind of thing. It's not a Borgeson, it's not a Delphi box, it's it's like their own thing. It was a perfect fit in the Bronco, suit, you know, pulled my old power steering box out, drop this new one in and it fit perfect. Didn't have to change a thing. Didn't have to move bolt holes. Didn't have to get, you know, nothing. It was perfect. Um, and they sell a whole kit and I think it's 1500 bucks, which seems like a lot, but if you don't have power steering, you do the whole kit. It has the power steering pump, the power steering box, a new, um, steering shaft, all the hoses and, I think that might've been it, but it's like, it has everything. The new box is a thousand bucks. So you're paying, you know, 500 extra for the conversion kit. And it is a great, great conversion. And it, I, I've also done the Saginaw pump and it has, mm -hmm. has the, the conversion has the Saginaw pump. It's just a really cool, um, cool kit. And like I said, like I had a ton of play in my steering box and man, I put the Tom's off road box in and it is smooth as butter it's responsive but it feels like a modern car but not a sports car you know it's a it's a four turn box instead of a six turn box but it feels it just feels really nice when you're when you're turning the wheel 
Didn't you do a shaft also? Yep. Yep. Steering so, column shaft. Mm -hmm. Because the stock steering column shaft, that steering shaft, uh, is dangerous, one, um, because if you get in a head-on collision, there's a chance that that thing can shoot up because um, <laughs> it's a solid piece of steel. A spear. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, spear you in half. So the new ones are made to kind of break in the middle. Um, but it's also telescoping, so it, it, it expands and retracts. The reason I got it was actually because I put a body lift on my Bronco, and after I did the body lift, my steering shaft wouldn't fit. Right. So, which happens, you know, part of you make one change and you have to change seven other things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But so. a body lift is an easy way to go. Yeah. Parts corner. Do you have a Do you have a part? Yeah. We we've, we've been installing some EFI systems in the shop. You know, we have these Broncos that you know, you know, they don't steer, they don't stop. Well, they don't start either. You know, and that <laughs> seems to be your three problems you'll have with the Bronco. It's fifty years old and. Yeah. Um, we found uh, the last two we've done were Holly's Sniper EFI systems and just the how easy they are to install. Um, they've got some really neat features with them. They have yeah. the control unit or, you know, the brain that runs um, the EFI is actually mounted into the front of the casting of the unit. So oh, wow. uh, you don't have a separate box to mount somewhere else inside your mm -hmm. truck or something like that. And uh, they're kind of neat. They You can get them in like this traditional bronze, which looks like the pop metal, um, sort of a gold, black or silver, maybe even polished. Um, but yeah, so really uh, it's almost plug and play. Um, you know, that's, you know, like doing your body lift. If you do an EFI system, it's not like just switching a carburetor out. You know, now you've increased a, a fuel pressure, pressurized system. So you got to do, you know, in-tank pumps and yeah. you end up wiring all the way back to the fuel tanks. Yeah. But uh, you do get a, a controller and it just walks you through what engine you have. Do you have a camshaft? You know, things like that. And then it's, it's learning. So as the truck's running, it eventually understands how the engine runs and takes in ambient conditions and things like that. So for people that have their Bronco and they, they may only drive it once a month or it may sit somewhere for three to six months, and you jump in, it'll just start right up. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to touch the throttle pedal. You just let the EFI do all the work and, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really neat. Uh, really enjoy installing those because there's, like, really four wires that you have to you yeah. have to wire in. How many wrenches would you say it is to install that? Um, I'm going to go with four. Yeah. At least, yeah. yeah. But um, the instructions are terrific. Holly has a great call-in line. They can walk you through it. Um, you realize your your Bronco's super basic. Yeah. So you're you're really updating it. Um, but I think the the thing I like about their EFI systems, you can get a two barrel or a four barrel. But the two barrel unit is good up to 350 horsepower. Yeah. And it produces like linear power. It makes the truck super easy to drive. You don't have like this big four barrel coming in, you know, when you stomp it. And, yeah. you know, so it, it just the drivability is probably the thing I like the most about EFI in general. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I love those kits and I think they're great little, uh, little kits and super easy to install. But I will agree, uh, easy for me because I've installed a couple of them. But, I would definitely, that's one that I would pay someone to do um, if I was, you know, encouraging someone to, to go that route. So, uh, yeah, that's a good one.
Our question today is from an email we received. It says, hey guys, love the podcast. I just bought a 2022 Ford Bronco Badlands Sasquatch. Should I put bigger tires on it or just run it like it is? Any lift recommendations? Mm, that's a good question. We talked about this a little bit in the last episode too um, with your Donnie's getting a big lift put on his uh, his his new Bronco as well. I, I like a little bit of a lift. I think a four-door with 37s are like the perfect lift-tire combo. But suspension lift, I don't know. What do you think about this? Suspension lift, I would say know what you're going to do with it. Like, you know, there's no reason to pay for a $10,000 suspension lift if it's never going to see the trail. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. And you know, it does, I think two inches makes a big difference on the two door or yeah. the four door, but it, on the four door, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, it really makes it stand out. But uh, whether it's a Gen 1 or a Gen 6, like before you buy a lift kit, how are you going to use it? You know, and, and I am getting 37s and it's going to have to have a lift. It'll look so. Sick. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And a ladder. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good question. Thank you so much to the person who sent that in. If you have any questions, make sure to email us at questions at thebroncast.com. That is questions at T-H-E-B-R-O-N-C-A-S-T dot com. All right, Donnie, I want to hear some more history. We've been talking about uh, the pre leading up to the Bronco really coming out, and uh, and you've been giving us some sweet history lessons. Um, what are we talking about today? Well, we left off with uh, just about to finish the development of the Bronco. We talked about that clay model that they made and $10 million was set aside to start. Yeah, the marketing department. Here you go. Yeah, yeah and the marketing the, department yeah, jumps in. Finance so department, they, yeah. they had had a project name for the Bronco the whole time, and it was, it was called Goes Over All Terrain. It's like you engineers, that's genius. So if you actually think about it, it's goat. Yeah. Goes over all terrain. Yeah. And uh, um, there was already a GTO on the market, a car. Um, so what's interesting is they, they're like, okay, well, that's the code name. And in, in, uh, the marketing department steps in and says, how are we going to position this and brand it? And what's really cool is is they decided it was going to be the uh, the four-wheel drive sports car. You know, and uh, the Mustang's bigger, bolder, tougher brother, you know, and that's yeah. kind of, it's like another horse in the stable is what they went with, which is nobody, you know, who's going to buy a goat. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But what I love about that is even, you know, we talk about the Gen 6 often, like I love that the Generation 6 brought in some of the goat, you know, with the goat modes, the yeah. overall terrain. Yeah. And um, I just think it's it's cool little pieces of history that connect, you know, even the new one to the the history of the old one. Sorry, I, I interrupted you, but no, yeah, like that was funny on our drive this trail drive this weekend. The guys like for all you guys with goat mode, like it just <laughs> flip a knob without even yeah. If we have taking we your sandals off, yeah. If we need four wheel drive, we have to get out and lock the hubs. That's and right. Put in, you know, put it into four wheel low or all your knee deep and something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think uh, that was really the positioning. It was brilliant by the marketing department to do that, to to pair it with the Mustang because the Mustang had had this tremendous success. I mean, a lot of people 
initially when the Bronco was released, they sold the first year around 20,000 of the Broncos, which, you know, you and I are sitting here going, oh, that's terrific. Well, on the first day, the year before when the Mustang was released, they sold 20,000 Mustangs on the first day. On the first day. Yeah. So, you know, it was not considered a success, you know, Um, but they also knew the market was only, you know, 40,000 units. So the expectation wasn't, um, you know, to set the world on fire, but to, to grow that market. And, um, it was pretty cool. So it was supposed to be the, you know, the sporty off-road four-wheel drive to, you know, pair it with the success of the Mustang. So it really was the first sports utility vehicle. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, like even the marketing that they've talked about, you know, it, it, it talks about how, you know, the, sporty uh utility vehicle or something like that and it's like the commercial where you know it's driving through the the lake or the river the creek whatever it is and it's like the sporty utility vehicle you know it's like man you you not only are you launching a new product but you're having to change the market to really accept a new product you know it's pretty pretty big undertaking yeah they um I really think it was successful, you know, tying it to the Mustang. Um, the commercial is fantastic. <laughs> if you if you've never heard the commercial, um, I love it. You you can catch it on YouTube. It's just early Bronco Ford commercial, and yeah. you can find it. And the music's great. It's practically black and white. It's a uh, <laughs> it's just awesome. It really is, and it's like all these epic shots of the Bronco just doing stuff and then cruising down the road, you know, and just, it, it is a, it's a pretty epic, epic commercial when you watch it, but it, it's cool talking about the gen six. Like I feel like the gen six launch took a lot of, of, uh, inspiration from that, you know? And it's like, it felt like that 1966 commercial felt like the launch video, that 10 minute launch video from Ford, you know, it's like just out there, you know, having fun, going off road, driving down the road. Like it was pretty awesome. I would love to see Ford tie that commercial into anything new that they do just because, you know, that is where the Bronco came from. Well, that's, that's some pretty cool Bronco history there. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. That is another broadcast with John and Donnie. Stick around. Next time, it's going to be great as well. Yeah, see you next time. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Broncast. I'm the technical producer, Josh Toller, and the music you've heard today is brought to you by Adam Nitty. I'd like to thank our hosts, John Melton and Donnie Whiteman. The sponsors for this episode are Tom's Off-Road and ARP, Automotive Racing Products. Head over to our website, thebroncast.com, where you can find full episode notes, resources for this show, sponsor product links, and a log of all the podcast episodes and YouTube videos. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next time on The Broncast.